From Sarasota Memorial, this is HealthCast. A healthy dose of information from experts you can trust. Hi, everybody. Welcome to HealthCast. I'm Heidi Godman. In this episode, we're going to talk about knee and hip replacement, especially how doctors handle complicated cases and revisions, and also the new robot called ROSA that's helping surgeons cut and position knee replacements with more precision than ever. Our guest is Dr. Sean Dingle, a board-certified orthopedic surgeon with extensive training and experience in hip and knee replacements. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. So hip and knee replacement, very common in our country. I was looking at some of the numbers earlier, and really they surprised me. More than 300,000 hip replacements every year, more than 600,000 knee replacements every year in our country, and both of those numbers are expected to double in the next 10 years, and that comes to us from the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. What is it about these procedures? Is it that we're all getting older, and so our population is going to be needing these, or is it just because the the procedures are more streamlined? Well, um, there's a couple of things that are contributing to the increased number of joint replacements. First of all, the aging population is one, and so as we age, we get more arthritis, and those are the people more prone to needing knee and hip replacements or people that are older. Number two is the procedures have gotten better and they last longer. So years ago, we would think that you would get 10 or 15 years out of a knee or hip replacement. And so we tended to make you wait until you got older so that you wouldn't have to have it done over and over. But with today's newer implants, we probably are going to get 30 years or more out of these hip and knee replacements. Therefore, if you're 50 years old and you have a hip or knee replacement, you should be in your 80s by the time you need to have it redone, if at all. And who knows what it will even look like at that point. Correct. Well, for people who aren't familiar with hip and knee replacement, can you explain what exactly you're doing when you go in there? What are you taking out? What are you putting in? Sure. So... Really what arthritis is, is wearing away of the cartilage inside the joint. And I describe it kind of like wearing the tread off of a tire. And so what we do is we resurface the ends of the joint. And for the hip, you take the ball and you remove the ball out of the socket. And you put a stem into the femur and you put a new ball on top of that. You take a cup and in the pelvis where there's a a socket, you put a new socket. Now the ball articulates inside that new socket and that's where the the new ball joint is so you're not actually there's nothing that's rubbing against you you have a metal shell in the pelvis and a stem in the in the femur and when you stand and walk that's a new surface for you to walk on and similarly in the knee you resurface the end of the bone you remove just about a quarter inch off the end of the bone and you snap a piece of plastic in between the two bones and that's the new joint and so this is something that happens all the time you got to the studio today And I said, what'd you do today? And tell us what you did. So I did several hip and knee replacements this morning and a revision um, uh, knee replacement. So just like that, in in one morning, afternoon, you're doing five or or so surgeries. Yeah, so for for me, um, I only do hip and knee replacements. So so I think that they're a little streamlined. I, I run two operating rooms too, so my day kind of goes quickly. Um, but as a general rule, most primary hip or knee replacements take me about 30 minutes to do. So so in a morning, you can do five replacements, um, uh, and um, people get up and get moving that afternoon. Just incredible. Is that start to finish, or is that your part, and you have other people opening, closing, things so, like that? So I do the entire surgery from the start till the implants are in. Um, and then I have an assistant, a PA, who closes the, the wound, uh, right. which takes an extra five or six minutes for so him to close the we wound. We have a system. 
we do have a system. And we, and when you're talking about surgeries, are we saying that these are long incisions or is this minimally invasive surgery? So, you know, I've been in practice um, going on 18 years now and um, everything we do today is minimally invasive compared to what we were doing you know, two decades ago. And so the incisions are half the size that they were. Uh, the approaches were going between muscles more and not going through muscles or tendons. And so everything is less invasive. So I would say that most people today are doing minimally invasive hip and knee replacements, certainly compared to what they used to be. Um, and any definition of what minimally invasive is really is just less invasive than we did before, which promotes faster recovery, less pain, you know, quicker, right. quicker recovery. Right. So instead of one long incision and then opening it up and everything like that, you're using a few small incisions and inserting long, skinny tools. One holds things in place. One is a camera. One can cut. So, yeah, for certain things, we do that. Um, for hip and knee replacements, we still have to open the incision up enough to put these appliances in because mm -hmm. the appliance itself has a certain size to it that sure. we have to have to be able to get in. But it's still minimally invasive compared oh, to the old days, right? Oh, yeah. Probably the way you learned it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then with the sheer volume of these joint replacements, it seems like it would be a pretty safe or effective procedure. What is the success rate? Do we have a national rate? So, yeah, it. Um, if you look at knee replacements, the good or excellent results with patient reported outcomes are somewhere around 90%. Some studies say 85, some say 92, but somewhere around 90% of people who have their knee replaced say I've gotten a good or excellent result afterwards. When it comes to hip replacement, that number is probably 95 or 96%. So the vast majority of people who get their hip or knee replaced say, it's a, I've got a good result. I'm pleased that I had it done. I mean, it's not, there's no surgery that's universally successful without complications. But um, most people consider hip and knee replacements the most successful or highest percentage of people that get good results out of, out of most surgeries that we do. But as you're saying, sometimes there are complications. And I think that's what uh, everybody in the public who hasn't had this done might be worried about when they hear that. So what are the complications and why do they come up? So I think that uh, I was actually having this discussion with one of my partners last night. He was on call and he called me about something and I made the comment that it's, it's strange how few complications we have today. When I came into practice, you know, dislocating of a hip, you know, the hip popping out of a joint was probably 2%. Um, and it's now 0.3 or 0.2%. Mm. So from one out of 50 to one out of three or 400. So our complications have really gone down fairly dramatically. And part of that is smaller incisions, shorter surgery times, um, less blood loss. And so all the things that we do to improve the way we do have, have, I think, decreased the number of complications. But if you look at what are the risks with a hip or knee replacement, do you have the few that I tend to tell patients about are infection, which is about one out of 300 in our hospital. The national average for Medicare patients is 1.2%, but high volume centers like Sarasota Memorial, um, their average is about 0.3%, so about a third of the national average. So infection, you always worry about blood clots, you always worry about stiffness in the joint after developing scar tissue. Uh, for a hip, you worry about it dislocating, popping out a joint. Uh, when you do the surgery, you, you, you know, we use mallets and things to hit these things in, and you could crack the bone. That happens about one out of 400 times. And then the other complications that people get would be medical issues, like 
I have atrial fibrillation and my heart races afterwards, or I develop pneumonia or constipation from the medications. Those would be the standard ones. And if you look at all of those, it probably runs 2 or 3% of people have some issue. 95, 96, 97% of people go through without any complication in the perioperative period. So you're telling someone you need this replacement, there's a 97% chance it's going to be just fine. But sometimes there are revisions that have to happen. And who's a candidate for that? When is that necessary? So revisions, I, I did a revision this morning in a lady who actually was quite young. I think she's in her early 50s, but she had had 10 surgeries on her knee before. Well, some of them sports medicine surgeries, ligament resurgeries and that kind of stuff. And she had had a knee replacement that was now unstable, meaning the ligaments had kind of stretched out that she had had repaired before. And so I removed her knee replacement and put a larger hinge, uh, knee replacement in that had a locking hinge in place. And so it's really the wearing out of a joint. Most revisions happen a decade, two decades after they've been put in and the, the joint has worn down and needs to be revised for that reason. That's the typical kind of revision. Yeah. And so then you're doing these revisions. What does that mean for recovery after a person has that revision? Is it the same as the recovery the initial time or is it a little bit harder? So that depends on the revision. So if I take somebody that's just worn the articular or the plastic bearing and I open it up and I take the bearing out and I put a new bearing in, that's going to be an easier recovery than the initial surgery. Um, if I take somebody that's, that's had a broken prosthesis that has to be chiseled out and they've had a broken bone around the prosthesis, that's much more extended recovery. So revisions kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of like a box of chocolates. You never really know what you're going to get until you get in there. And that, that recovery, I tell people, may be shorter, may be longer, depending upon what we find. Right. And what about robotic surgical assistance? Are you using those in both knee and hip surgeries too? So the robot that we have at Sarasota Memorial is... Um, only does knee replacements. Um, there is one, I think there's only one other system out there now that actually applies to hip replacements, a robotic hip replacement, and that one hasn't been out that long. Um, the knee ones have been out a little bit longer. There's another one on the market, um, Mako is, is the other one out there. Um, and so we use them for knee replacements. I don't use them on every knee replacement. Um, uh, I use them selectively. Um, if you look at the studies on the robot, the robot improves your accuracy of implantation. And um, most of us within three degrees of where we want to put this in is the goal. And, and if you do lots of these, you about 97, 98% of the time you're within that margin of error. And the robot gets you within that 97, 98% time. And so um, in certain cases where people have kind of deformities or where their, their legs have had multiple surgeries in the past, um, the robot helps quite a bit in being able to align the knee. And Sarasota Memorial has this brand new knee robot called ROSA, which really just stands for Robotic Surgical Assistant. What is that like? That seems so uh, sci-fi to me, you know, with this 3D kind of a look and positioning and uh, virtual reality. Tell us about that. So what the what the robot does is um, it takes the the patient's extremity and we move it through the space and it registers the bones and so we know exactly where the alignment of the bone is. On a normal knee, I look at the knee, I look at the x-ray and I line up the, the guides to where I'm cutting. The robot has an arm that comes over and it attaches the cutting block to the bone in the specific area where it's supposed to be cut. So instead of me manually doing it, the robotic arm, and it's kind of weird when you first start using it, you have to have people stand back so that the arm comes in and positions kind the block. Kind of like being in space, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's kind of neat, kind of uh, fun, to, fun to do something different. And, oh, uh, what kind of difference does that make? So the idea is that um, 
you have better alignment. So the result of the knee replacement should be better. You know, I told you probably somewhere around 90% of knees are good or excellent. Um, we'd love to get that to 99% or 100%. And the idea is that if we can make these things lined up and be exactly precisely accurate, that you may have better outcomes and more people may be in that excellent category. But you still need the same kind of physical therapy after you have any kind of joint replacement. What's involved with that? So yeah, the, the the surgical procedure actually is the same whether you use a robot or not, and the recoveries are the same as well. You you need to do therapy, um, whether you do a lot of hands-on physical therapy with a therapist or you do it on your own, um, you need to be doing the exercises. It's particularly true for knee replacements. Knee replacements are a little bit more painful, a little bit harder to recover from, and the therapy you have to do to get the motion of your knee so that you can bend it all the way, straighten it all the way, walk more normally. Hip replacements are a little bit less painful, a little easier, and the therapy you may be doing is walking. You may be you know, doing more regular activities for therapy as opposed to getting on stationary bikes and elliptical machines and things like that. So insider advice. So sometimes you can have a physical therapist come into your home for home health care. What have you noticed over the years? Is it better to go somewhere to have your physical therapy or have the folks come into your home? So you mean like inpatient rehab? Right. Yeah. So um, years when I got here, um, we sent 78% of people to inpatient rehab after a joint replacement. Um, I was on the phone yesterday with somebody talking about this, and last my last 90 days, I had 22% of people in rehab um, out of the last 100, 150 people that I did. And so we've seen a reduction by a third of what we used to. And the trend is for a couple of reasons. Number one is Medicare wants that because it's cheaper to be at home. But number two is outcomes are equally, if not better, at home. And your chance of having a complication like infection or pneumonia or other problems are less at home. Sure, because so you're not exposed you're to not germs. Ex- correct. But, but you might then be going for outpatient treatment, right? Correct. So, so if you don't go to an inpatient rehab, you'll go home. And I typically send home health out for the first few days until you're moving comfortably enough where you can get in the car and travel to the outpatient physical therapy center. Um, but somebody comes to your house the first few days. After a week, you're feeling pretty good. You're getting off the walker. You say, well, I'm going to my outpatient therapy place a couple days a week. And every day, twice a day, I'm doing my exercises on my own. And hopefully by six or six weeks or so, you start playing some sports, golf, tennis, that kind of thing. Back to your life, back to your active lifestyle. That's the, that's the goal. And I bet you see some really cool success stories too. You know, I, I, I um, best part of my day is I have patients come in and say, man, you gave me my life back. I can go do things again. And I, I always tell people that uh, my job, I'm very fortunate that I have a job where I feel very gratified um, in what I do. And if someone out there is thinking, wow, I I really would like to try and do this joint replacement, but I'm so worried about the complications, what would you say? Well, you know, I always tell people that nothing's without risk, but you can concentrate on the the 2% chance that I have some issue or the 98% chance that I don't have some issue. And, um, you know, I think that when you have an optimistic outlook and you and you work hard at doing what you need to do and you find somebody that you're comfortable with uh, taking care of you, I, I think you have the recipe for success. Dr. Sean Dingle, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. All right, time now for today's takeaways. One is that joint replacements are considered some of the most successful procedures in medicine today. Revisions are sometimes needed, but they're safe and effective. Two is that robotic surgical assistants are helping doctors create better outcomes for their patients. And three, if you'd like information about Sarasota Memorial's orthopedic program, 
which is ranked among the highest in the U.S. and includes modern procedures we've been talking about and much more. Just call 941-917-7777. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit smh.com. Follow us on your favorite social media network.